Hello, and welcome to Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. I'm your host, Craig Bunting. I began my career as a professional painter. Now I work for Benjamin Moore as Director of Professional Marketing in support of Pro Painters. In this series, I'm checking in with some of the best in our business. We're going to hear their stories, things we can learn from, things that make us laugh. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everybody. Craig Bunting here again with today, George Apap. George, how are you? Doing great, Craig. Awesome. Awesome. So as many people know, our headquarters are here in northern New Jersey, and you're just a stone's throw over the border in New York State. Is that right? Yeah, not far. So George, I, a couple things that I know about you, not a lot, so I want to learn more today. But one of the things that I do know is APAP Painting is a, is a multi-generational business. You want to run me through exactly how the business works and the history and all the stuff that got you to where you are today? Yeah, well, I'm the third generation and I'm partners with my brother. We have a lot of fourth generation painters also. We have full part-time, there's five of them that help out in the business. And we also have my brother-in-law, so we have eight family members currently working in the business. It's great. We, we get along great and we do well. And obviously my, my grandfather started the business in 1929 and he worked for decades in it. And then eventually he worked for my father and my father was in the business more than 40 years. And I worked for my dad for quite a long time. And then I bought the business from him 17 years ago. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, there's there's really not that many third generation businesses around at all, and certainly stuff that stretches back to 1929 is really almost unbelievable. I mean, do you have do you have archive stuff or things from way back in those days that you could point to and kind of look back at? Gosh, how how different things might have been. I wish. I just wish I even had better photos from back then. Today we have photos for everything, but I just didn't even have that many photos. My dad has some, very few of my grandfather. It is too bad we don't think about. 100 years from now when when we're in it. But look, look at it this way. Your great grandkids are going to have tons of photos that they can look back on, right? How does it work with the family? This is a very common question. You got a very common situation. I mean, those dynamics can get a little tricky. How's that go? How do you manage it? And anybody who's out there who's dealing with something similar, any advice you could give them? First, I think um, you're very fortunate that we get along really well, but we have clear roles. My brother does sales. He's very, very good at that. And that's his main focus. Of course, we collaborate on many different things. And then my brother-in-law does sales management. He's got a very clear role also. The kids are all either working in the office or in the fields, and they just do their part every day. And it's just, it's great. So what does sales mean in, in your company, George? Well, we have four salespeople. You can say estimators, I guess. We say sales. But so they're going out, meeting the customers, writing up the proposals, getting the, the contracts. And then we have production that takes it from there. One of the things that you and I did speak briefly about when you were here in our headquarters was your philosophy. And you have a very you know, very defined one about how you deal with customers and the expectations that they have and the way in which you interact with them. And I think those foundational things are super critical for successful businesses like yours. So what what is your philosophy as it relates to customers and engagement and the work that you guys produce and the relationships you have with those critical customers? Well, that, that's a big topic, but my dad had this really simple line he used to use. We give the customers what they want, and we find that every customer wants something a little bit different. And I may be very concerned about the level of preparation or the type of product or something. And they may only care about the color. Like they may not worry about things. So I, we really just try to tailor each project to what the customer's needs are and what their wants are and give them what they want. We're obviously giving them the same great job every time, but we're customizing each one for the individual. 
So you're coming and giving me an estimate, right? And I'm a customer. How do you kind of get under the hood and realize what makes things important to me and what is important to me? And so you can you can pivot where you need to. Well, you ask. We start off with just <laughs> right. conversational uh, things. And then some people will just tell you everything they ever wanted to know about painting and they give it all. And some people are much more stoic and they're worried about price and they're guarded a little bit. But we open it up with questions. We ask questions like, why am I here? What, why, what, where's the last guy? You know, were you happy with your last contractor? What is it that you wanted from him you didn't get? It's almost an interview, isn't it? I mean, you're interviewing the customer to a degree to, to help understand what their expectations are. Is that right? It's absolutely an interview. And we, we need to know what they want because it's, it's possible someone's selling their house and they are concerned about price might be their concern. Or it's possible someone just moved in, they plan to live there the rest of their life and they want everything as good as it could possibly be. Well, we need to know that. We just set expectations going in. So that's just one example, but there's many, many things that people are concerned about. We find many people are concerned about their pets. How are their pets going to be handled during the process? So we're very sensitive to that. And gardens, people, that could be an issue. Color selection is a big issue. So if these don't come out naturally, we ask. We find the jobs go really smooth because we've found out what their needs are and we accommodate those needs. How bizarre does it get? I mean, have you had anybody come out and say like, look, this is, I don't know, I can come up with some pretty wild stuff. What, what's, what's, <laughs> give me an example of some time when you had a conversation where you're like, well, I didn't realize that was that important to them, but evidently it is. I have to do a little thinking on that one because I think we've seen everything. We, we, we do <laughs> hundreds of projects a year and we run into all kinds of things, but certainly some people think that we could start tomorrow. That's a common thing that comes up a lot. Okay, well, let's just get started. Well, we have a, a backlog, you know, a certain amount of time. We seem to run into everything. But once we know what the expectations are, it's fine. Well, whatever they want, that's what we'll accommodate. How have you had to adapt as the business has, has grown over the years? I mean, is it systems, George? Is it education? Are there groups that you're involved with? I mean, what do you do to get yourself prepared and, and understand what the best thing to do as you're growing is so you can certainly continue bro growing, but you know, keep your head too, because you could, it could really bury you. At every level of growth, there's more hurdles. And I think one of the first hurdles, and I think most contractors get stuck with this hurdle, and we were certainly stuck with it for many decades, is how do I operate the second job effectively? I was raised in a small company and we were able to run one job well because either I was there or my dad was there and we, we did it great. And then the second job that we were running didn't seem to go quite as well. And it was always taking too long and it wasn't quite right. It was just, it was a lot more problems. And getting to that second job and getting that second job to run right, it, I think is the biggest hurdle in business. And it, it's the hard part because many people, painter that own painting companies, they're expert painters. They do it great but they aren't expert teachers. And you have to be an expert teacher to teach people and create systems that other people can do what you do. Well, that's, that's, that's great advice. And it's interesting to hear you say that's the, that's the biggest one. I do think it's a backstopping yourself with systems and some processes definitely helps, right? But it has to be a leap of faith too, right? I mean, taking your hands off a little bit, it's gotta be hard. It's hard. It's something that I've worked on for, for many, many years. and. Now I have people that were better at it than me running jobs and doing things. And it's, it's amazing what happens when you empower people to make decisions and to, to do the best they can every day. They can really flourish. 
tell me about the culture that you've got within the company. I mean, I know I know that's important to you, and I, it's it's clearly a big factor in your success. So, what what is the culture if you had to describe it? Well, probably three parts of the culture, but customer satisfaction is is the first, and getting the work right. So that that's number one. And the thing that might be a little different here than many other painting companies is we have a huge safety culture, and that's taken a lot of effort because many painters are not ready for safety. They're resistant to safety. They don't understand safety. So I spend a lot of time communicating that. We have a a general company meeting once a month. It's a safety meeting. And we talk about all these things and we try to do it in an inspiring fashion that gets everyone to understand why we're doing these things and why this is important. What, so why is it? I mean, why, why do you, when you impart that, that sort of wisdom on your teams, and I know you have a monthly meeting where you talk about probably m- more pressing topics that are going on, but overall, I mean, how do you deliver that value to your teams to say like, this is really critically important and this is why? What do you, how do you say that? Well, first, it's something I'm passionate about. So I don't have that many roles in the company where I don't do the sales. I'm not doing the management. I'm, I'm doing other things. But the main thing I think I do is safety. And I love it. I'm passionate about it. So I can communicate the passion about that. And when others, they know I'm a painter, they know I understand what they're going through every day. And I I make the safety very relatable. Here's why we think hard hats are important. And there's a number of instances in this company where we wear hard hats, not every day, but there's times when we think they're important and communicating why everyone else should agree. It's not, I don't want to force you to wear it. You should want to wear it because accidents happen. And there's a lot of people here. You're probably not going to get hurt, but somebody probably is sometime. And we, we should all wear hard hats for that one reason in certain situations. Or there's other reasons where we have a big respirator campaign of respirators and different filters and things like that and when to use them. And yes, you can sand a wall without your respirator once and probably be okay. But if it's your job, you really should wear your respirator when you're sanding the drywall. And that's not always so popular, but we really encourage that. And we try to get people to want to do it, not to compel them to do it. What is your customer's reaction to that? Do they notice? I mean, do they notice that, you know, I don't see a lot of painters all day long, but the ones that I do don't typically have hard hats on when they're painting the outside of somebody's house. Like, why, why do you guys do that? I mean, do you get those questions? I think we look more professional. Everyone's in uniform. First of all, we all look the same. And then I think when you're wearing a hard hat, you actually look more professional. And um, our fall protection is pretty impressive also on residential properties, which is most of our business. We're putting anchors in roofs and we're tied off to those anchors. So when we're working on the dormers or working on the gables over the roofs, we're connected to the roof. So if someone slips, we're okay. And when you explain that to a customer, they're like, wow, no one ever mentioned that to me before. I said, well, everyone else that's been in this job, they all have to go on this roof and none of them are going to have fall protection, but us, we think is important because we don't want to lose anybody. And that alone wins jobs because people, customers recognize that, wow, this is something special. You're listening to Benjamin Moore's Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. Now let's get back to our interview. I don't think it's it's unsafe to say that we're in a bit of uncertain times here that's, that are coming up. And the last few years have been very unusual. I don't think that anybody knows what exactly lies ahead for us. So what are you doing to kind of get ready for the unknown? I know you're a cerebral guy and I know you look way out there, way down the road. So what's on your mind? Well, I think about this an awful lot. I think we all do. And one, I don't get too caught up in the economy and and news and all that because it's it's a downer, right? So I don't worry (laughs) too much about it. I I control what I can control. And I think our biggest strength is our existing customer base. And we just, 
um, mail their existing customers, which we haven't done in a while, but we have 12,000 individual customers since 2017. So it's a lot of customers. We think most of them, if not all of them are happy or extremely happy. So we have this huge network of people that we can reach out to and remind them and ask for business and see if, if they need anything else done. So we think that's going to be one of our best avenues for success going forward is our existing customers. Customer satisfaction is super important to you guys. So how do you measure it? How do you keep an eye on maintaining this really high level of customer satisfaction in an ongoing way? Surveys. So we ask, and that's where I I can't get to every job site and find out if every customer is happy or not, but I see the surveys and they tell you a lot of things in the surveys. Almost all of it's great, but there can be some uh, critical feedback in there. And when we get that, I call the customer. We also watch our online reviews, which are very, very good. But every time there's an online review, I send a thank you note. For me, I personally handwrite a note, thank you for the review. It means a lot to us and we're grateful for your business. And people respond to that. They they like that personal feedback. And you know, there's a little bit of a scientific way of industry way. Well, I guess every industry just kind of gone to it now, the net promoter score. So we do that also and we measure our net promoter score. And it's always very good into the nineties. So that's that's a good score. NPS is something that I think many, many industries, as you said, have gone toward, and it it's proven to be very successful. And anybody who's who's hearing this and is looking to understand more about how they can work on maintaining a similar level of customer satisfaction, I'd encourage them to check into Net Promoter Score and understand exactly how it works and how they can implement it in their business, regardless of how big it is. Absolutely. We live and die by those reviews. And it just comes down to, like my dad said, you have to give the customers what they want and they want a great job. They want a great experience and we have to give it to them every time. You've been in this business for a long time. Your family's been in this business for a very, very long time. There's got to be a story that you could share with us that's just, it's either humorous or you can't, you just can't believe it. What pops the top of your head where you're like, I got to tell somebody about this. I can't believe it. Some of it is we get to work on some very special properties where we see like super elite stuff where I'm like, I can't believe anyone has this in their house. You know, they have their own (laughs) grotto, cave, waterfall, hot tub thing. Like how it goes into their infinity pool. How do you have all these things? And we don't just do elite work. We work for many different types of people, but we see unbelievable things. But I think my favorite, and I've had a few of these stories where I've worked for a customer, my dad's worked for their parents, and my grandfather worked for their grandparents. That's amazing, right? When you have that. And I've got a few of those where there's a three-generation connection with the customer and with us. It's it's kind of amazing. That's incredible. I would imagine the thought is like, there's there's only one painter for our home, right? That's just it. There's not even a question to to be asked, I would imagine. It's like family, right? You know, we're... Sure. Because I've been painting for a long time since I was a kid, so many of these houses I personally painted many times and we've done it since I'm no longer in the field. We're still doing these houses. It's, it's very special for me. That's probably my, my favorite part of the job. Yeah. That's, I've never heard that before. That's an amazing example of your success with customer satisfaction and your philosophy undoubtedly being the reason why you know, your company operates the way that it does. The customers are satisfied the way that they are so much. So in fact, that it, it does become like family, which is that that alone is just completely unique and remarkable and something I think you should be very, very proud of. I mean, it's incredible. I am proud of it. And now that we have more family members in the business, it could go on to a, a fourth generation. You know, that, that's that'd be amazing also. 
I did a little bit of digging into your business before we, we got on here. I know you also offer soft wash services, which is something that I think is is not necessarily, not everybody knows about it. What does that mean, right? Pressure washing, power washing, we, we hear those terminologies all the time. But tell us about soft washing. What's that mean? Yeah, we switched a few years back, I don't know, five, six years ago. We used to pressure wash all the houses. Now we soft wash the houses. And I think it's so much better, so much more efficient and so much safer for the houses. You don't damage anything. We have a dedicated truck. We have two trucks that do it actually. We're using a chemical solution, similar to what many people are washing houses with already. And it's a low pressure. It's only 20 PSI hose, kind of like a garden hose, a little glorified garden hose that's pumped out of the back of the truck. And we're putting the chemical on. It does the cleaning. Then we simply rinse with a garden hose and we'll hand scrub wherever we need and we carry a high pressure washer with us where if there's a surface that requires high pressure washing, we certainly have that available to use. But most of the work is done with soft wash and it's it's great. Customers love it. We have two teams. That's what they do. They, they just wash the houses. So it's a little bit of specialization. Instead of having the paint teams all wash their own, we have two teams that go out in front and they, they do all the washing. One of the things that really sets it apart is you can wash the roof very effectively where oh. I don't want to get up on a roof with a pressure washer and do anything for a number of reasons. Sure. But the soft wash, we do it from the edge of the roof. We can wash the whole roof and it's an amazing transformation. I think about just the unique place that you guys have in the area in which you operate. And I think it's incredible. I think what you've done and what you're doing is unique. And obviously your your growth and your customer satisfaction, the feedback that you're getting, you guys live it, right? It's not just something that you do to check a box. This is what your company is all about. It is. And it's it's not just me. I have a great team that they all live it. We'll be calling each other in the evening about stuff. Well, it's on everyone's mind all the time. We want to make sure tomorrow goes great. And if someone has an idea, they just shoot it out there and we respond back to each other. So it's not something that I'm just doing on my own. I've got an amazing team here that really helps. That's great. One of the things that I love to ask here too, especially as we kind of think about all the things we've just talked about, is if if you were talking to yourself, right? You're talking to yourself back when you know you were working in the business, not necessarily running the business, and you could give yourself a piece of advice that would have helped early on. What would you say to George? Feedback, I would say you have to give frequent feedback and has to be given appropriately. And so my dad and my grandfather, wonderful craftsmen, great people, a little bit hot tempered and the feedback wouldn't be the way we'd give it today. We give feedback very differently now. It's it's nicely professionally given and frequently given. We don't hold things up. When something happens, we let someone know good or bad quickly what it is. We don't save up five things and we certainly would never yell or you know, we want to make sure people receive the feedback well. And I think that's the one single thing if you're trying to grow a business or have employees, it's how do you treat them? How do you communicate with them? And giving people negative feedback is as important as giving positive feedback. And the way it's delivered is everything. George, what do you do when you're not working? What makes you tick, man? I mean, what, 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 is, that, what is that thing that if you had to, you're kicking your feet up or you're going to do what you want to do, what drives you outside of this business? You'd be surprised. I don't have any fancy hobbies, right? I actually do, believe it or not, a lot of home improvement stuff around my home. I'm a marathon runner, so I, I do a lot of uh, exercise every day. But in the afternoon after work, if I can work in my gardens, I'm big into landscaping. I'm big into right now, I'm teaching myself masonry of all things, right? It's just, I like putting rocks together. 
Awesome. So uh, it's a new little hobby of mine. Uh, that's very cool. Well, George, I want to thank you again. Thanks for taking all this time with us today. Thanks for sharing what works for you, because I know people will benefit from it. It's great to see you again. Thanks for taking the time with us today. I really appreciate it. Craig, thank you. Awesome, George. Thanks. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coverage. If you enjoyed this podcast from Benjamin Moore, be sure to subscribe and share it with other professional painters. Follow us on Instagram at Benjamin Moore Pro. DM us with questions, comments, or future topic suggestions. Let us know if you would be interested in being a guest. This is your podcast, and we want to hear from you. In the meantime, stay busy, and we'll see you on the next episode of Coverage.